myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hi, welcome back to the Sum of All Fears. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. I got a great guest for you this week. It is comedian and cancer survivor Liz Splat. Liz is a newer stand-up on the scene here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I love her personality. She is a big-time personality. If you've ever met Liz, you know that to be true. She is an amazingly cool talent and cool person just to hang out with. And so I had her as one of my early guests, and her fear really surprised me, is being afraid of what people think about her. I wouldn't peg her as a self-conscious person, so that was an interesting conversation. Apologies for the audio. She was. We caught her at a work function where she was outdoors just kicking it by the lake and so there might be a little bit of background noise so let's go ahead and proceed on with the interview and see what you think about liz splat i am here with my good friend and local comic liz splat who by her own volition is the baddest bitch in the dallas fort worth comedy scene liz you're partying out on a lake tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing fabulous. I appreciate that gen- genuinely honest um, bring up for my name. Um, you know, I'm just at the lake with my work friends. Uh, so, yeah, having a good day. That's great. There's watermelon involved. There's watermelon involved. Is that is that a summertime staple for you? Yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. This is fresh watermelon from my friend's farm. So this is no joke. Oh, shit. I- mm-hmm. I didn't know you had connections like that where you had farm friends that would bring you the legit watermelon, not this store-bought. You know, Perio, this is why we're doing this podcast because I feel like a lot of people don't know the real Liz, the real Liz that has a watermelon plug, you know, the real Liz that chills on a lake that is uh, wearing camo Crocs versus the pink ones. That's that's my core. That's your core? Crocs are your core? Okay. Yeah. My friend Mallory also wears Crocs when she gardens. So proud of her. She is also on her Croc game at times. For sure. I'm not a Croc person, but one day. Some hey, maybe, maybe at the end, maybe at the end of this podcast, you'll go out and buy yourself a pair of Crocs and really feel free. <laughs> um, probably not. We'll we'll just we'll <laughs> we'll agree to disagree on the Croc game. <laughs> so so Liz, how long have you been doing comedy? August or September, it'll be a year. Okay. So I started in August as well. I started in 2006 on August 29th. That's my... Oh, cool. I don't remember the day. It was at um, the place. It's not a mic anymore. Uh, it's a, it's a, it was a craft house slash gas station, essentially. So um, it, it's in Denton, if I even need to say that, because that sounds pretty Denton. But um, yeah. Zach Zachariah Simmons hosted the mic that I first showed up at. Okay. Well, Denton is a da- a northern, I guess, suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth. It would be considered the Austin of the DFW area. I would... For sure. By my own volition, call it that. It's, For sure. It's a very artist-friendly college town and a lot of free thinking and tattoos and good eats. 
Yes. And lots of, <laughs> and lots of drinking. Yep. Beautifully put. So you've only been doing this about a year. How do you feel your comedy is going? I think it's, I think it's going awesome. I really like it more than anything I've liked before. And, you know, I just, I just want to work on, you know, the things I think I want to work on the most are really thinking out concept of concepts of jokes and then coming up with a few and then letting myself trash a few. Whereas before, and the only jokes I have right now are jokes that I think of something that sounds funny and I put it together to make it a joke but I'm not really thinking about the concept beforehand. And I think, especially right now with uh, the lack of mics and all that stuff, I think it's a good opportunity for comics to like really sit down and write stuff, um, which I think a lot of people might not actually do. I know I don't, but I think this is a good opportunity to. Yeah. So, yeah. So I also want to ask this too. You, I, I've read that you were also a cancer survivor. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, you know, I had it when I was, uh, 19 years old. I got diagnosed right after my freshman year in college and I, it was Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a blood cancer. And yeah, I mean, it it sucked zero out of 10 wouldn't recommend is what I always say. And, um, I went through six months of chemo and beginning of chemo, my digestive system shut down. It was a whole ordeal. And then after six months, you know, I was cancer free. And then it's obviously like, you know, you try and go back to your old life, but then you realize you're a completely different person mm-hmm. um, after that experience. And so it's it's kind of, it's just kind of like some shock, shock trauma because you try and go back and then you're like, oh, I can't, I can't be that person anymore. Not even because I was like a bad person, just because I don't fit in that, that slot anymore. So yeah, I just changed a whole lot. I transferred schools from UTSA to to well to Dallas Community College and then I went to UNT and then everything kind of took off and I feel like I feel like it was a necessary evil that had to take place in my life to find like where what my real path is you know so does your family live in San Antonio no my family lives in Dallas okay I saw UTSA I was like well does that is that more home yeah I just tried to get as far away from home as possible um, while staying in Texas but then I was like mommy (laughs) I need you. <laughs> well, that's great. I'm glad that everything worked out. I, you're yeah. probably the first person to give a Yelp review to Hodgkin's lymphoma. I feel like that was yeah. the first time that that's ever been aired. Would not Would recommend. Would not go back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And we're glad you're here. Uh, you're an amazing Thanks. human being. If you haven't seen Liz, she's an amazingly outgoing personality. She <laughs> is absolutely the center of attention as soon as she walks in she makes sure that you are aware that her presence is known which is why when we talked about this podcast and the fear you wanted to talk about that it just kind of threw me because it just did not fit the dynamic of the person i know you to be right so what is your fear liz um i believe that i said my fear was judgment from other people or what other people are thinking of me and that seems so, because as we talked about Crocs just now, you're a woman that wears Crocs on the daily and you okay. have, you don't Wait, have let's, just let's one, go. hold on, hold on. I'm not done. You don't just have one pair of Crocs that you wear. You've just told us that you have two, you have pink and you have camo. Well, actually, technically I should have three, but I threw the third pair on stage at a Tyler, the creator concert. Okay. So 
Fair enough. But the fact that you have more than one pair of Crocs and that you wear them on the daily mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. gives a vibe of, I don't care what other people think of me. <laughs> and and then to hear that that is your fear when you're such a an outgoing and gregarious is the word I would use personality <laughs> like you like you are a hundred and ten percent energy it's just such yeah that I just never would have thought in a million years that you would have anxiety about what other people think but you know, that's, that's interesting. Cause I don't know. The first thing that kind of comes to mind is that, you know, you and I have never really hung out outside of the comedy sphere, which we all know it is a very dense mm-hmm. energy kind of sphere. You know, you can't, it's, it's a big bubble. And once you get in it, you know, you go home and you're just like, I have to like, let myself like, let the energy just like wave off of me because mm-hmm. It's I, I, I get such an energy just from being at open mics, from being at shows and being around the people that are doing the th- same thing that I'm doing. It's just it just fills me with so much like joy and excitement. And then I get home and, you know, I'm, I don't like I, I don't want to come off as saying that, like, I'm one of these people that's extremely extroverted. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'm like, but I'm really an introvert because that's just like not the case. I'm absolutely not an introvert, but I, I do have to get like I can't do that for too long or I get very pissy and I have to have my, my time where I'm just by myself or I'm, you know, zoned out or else I'll, I'll lose my shit. Well, that's good to know. (laughs) But I feel like every extrovert's like that. Like you, you get to a certain point of just socializing where then it's just like, okay, now we're getting too much input. We're just getting too much outside noise into my area and I need to get away right. from it. I need to kind of center myself. Right. For sure. So what would you call your earliest memory of having people think something about you that kind of changed how you thought that kind of made you afraid of this? Oh, that's actually super clear in my mind. And I wasn't expecting that question, but um, I got, I got, I guess, diagnosed with dyslexia at a very young age because I don't read good perio. And I, the doctors or whatever told me that I don't read good and I had to put that together. And then from that point on, I had to go to different classes and it felt very like, felt misjudged because I was like, I'm not dumb. I I just, I just got, I had to let everyone know that I'm not dumb in some way. And then when that kept not working because I don't read good, I don't spell good. And I had to, (laughs) I had to just, you know, kind of play into this dumb role and, and not so much as like, I'm the dumb girl and I'm just stupid. Like Mm -hmm. we all know that's not how I behave, but I do try and just kind of like roll stuff off my back, like dirt, you know, just up there goes Liz. And, um, it it all kind of became, that's kind of how I ended up putting the class clown hat on and, you know, just trying to be jokey with everyone. Cause you know, I would spell something wrong and like the, some bitch in class would start, you know, being a bitch. (laughs) And I just have to be like, oops, I know how to spell that word. I'm just mm-hmm. joking. <laughs> so you would do bait and switch. Like, I thought that I don't know how to spell. I'm just a really friendly person. I'm just so excited yeah. to spell cat that I wrote a K instead of a C. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, I'd have to, I, I feel like I'd have to soften the tension with being funny. Where, like, in, in tension that I'm sure that really only I was feeling. 
but it's more of like I had to distract them. I had to be like, oh, don't focus on that. Focus on this weird thing I'm about to do, you know? Yeah. I, I remember doing that in school because I was bullied a lot and I didn't, I didn't really have a good communication structure. So I would be quasi class clown. Like I wouldn't be the outgoing class clown. Like I would be the one that would be in computer lab and I would program the computers to say things. Right. That they talk <laughs> out course. loud. I would just of figure that out. And then, and that was what I would do just to get attention, but not negative attention. Like, oh, this is my talent. I right. can, I can make these. Now, computers. let me ask you this. Did you ever type 8008 into a calculator and show people? Yeah. Okay. That was Just in fourth checking. grade. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> we also Jeez. did 808, I think, 135, and that is boobies. Plur- that's the plural. Whoa. You're advanced for your age is what I'm picking up on. I, I, I was in some respects. Right. Um, in other respects, I my work ethic, I was definitely not. I've, right, right, right. I barely passed. Like, I feel like I graduated high school because teachers just didn't want to deal with me anymore. Like, they just gave Same. me, like, the bare minimum passing grade just to be, like, move them on. Right. That's where I, I, I agree. And I think that that was uh, common in my life as well. Well, I'm glad. I don't ever thought you were dumb i just thought you were very high energy like you were very you're very high you're very high energy you're very loud (laughs) oh yeah yeah the loud thing is always i'm uh i grew up in a very loud family so it's just Mm -hmm. kind of that's how it was and i also think that part of the part of the judgment was my mom has always been very concerned we've always kind of been the black sheep family of 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 her family she has three other siblings and they all kind of have it together and it's uh, kind of wh- pretty white collar. And, you know, we both my parents, they met in um, they met in AA. And so, you know, obviously they're not the same as these other white collar people who just have a glass of wine or whatever. And so we always were just the different ones. And I yeah. And I always I felt that burden from a very young age. And so I felt like, wow, yeah, I felt like, OK, I have to be perfect. And then it, the one once I got cancer, it was really like, oh fuck all this! Like, what is, what is perfect? Yeah. I'm gonna die. <laughs> well, you just when you I, I couldn't imagine going through that as myself. As I'm 43, so my mortality is pretty close. But at the same time, <laughs> when I do think about it, I'm like, have I done enough? Am I at the no regret stage of my personal being? Am I? Right. Is there something that I wish I would have done that I'm not doing? Right. And I can't say that I have. I've done 14 years of comedy. Right. My job wants me to take days off, which I did this week. But because my work-life balance is that I could work, I go to work at 1030, get off at 7, go straight to open mic, all the way to midnight, to 1 a.m., come home, eat, sleep, get up, go to work. I had right. the work-life balance. I didn't need to take time to go to Italy or right. France. I would. Right. I guess that part of me wants to at some point, but it's not like a aching need or a desire to do that's not that if my life were taken from me suddenly, I wouldn't feel like, oh, if I could have just gone to Paris one time, which right. is not how I operate. Yeah. And so I feel I, I you do. on the from what I understand from my family is my dad's side of the family is they're also kind of the black sheep of the family. And so I get mm-hmm. that feeling of it's just, it's our group. Do you have any siblings? 
Uh, yeah, I have uh, two older brothers and um, a little sister who's technically my niece, but she was raised like my little sister. So, And so you have this whole support, an internal group that you're more closer to and then say maybe your cousins, your uncles right, and stuff like sure. that. That you, you guys basically, because you feel like you're not included, even though you ha- you share a bond with this other group that you're your own right. little group. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it always wasn't necessarily like us versus them, but it was just kind of like, fuck them, you know? And, and, yeah. and that's not, you know, if it wouldn't, if I were to say that to the family, it wouldn't make sense. They'd be like, no, we all love each other. And it'd be like, well, you know, you guys are all accountants. <laughs> and it, but uh, every family has that. I feel like every exactly, family has, yeah. Even what I, I even call the comedy scene in our area like a big dysfunctional family. Like we'll bicker right. back and forth and call each other names. But if somebody right. from another comedy scene came in and said something bad about one of these comics, I would be like, hey, shut you. your mouth. <laughs> yeah. It's, I feel every family has that dynamic of there's a lot of infighting, but when it For comes sure. to it, that. Yeah, yeah, still family. It's a petty, it's a pettiness thing, but it's not it's not anything like life altering that we're going to never talk again kind of situation. Right, right, right. For sure. So what is your earliest memory of somebody thinking about you that kind of like, I would say affected you? Um, you know, like I said, the, the thing in school really, really kicked off everything with people kind Mm -hmm. of thinking that I'm dumb. That felt, I felt like I really had to put a guard up and I really had to just, uh, grin and bear it or laugh and bear it, I guess, um, you know, and, and kind of go home. And that's where I, at school, I was like, school was my kind of comedy area. And I would go to school and I'd be this energetic person who just was like all off the walls, like way more so than now. And then I'd come home and it was very like, I had to be by myself. I just would just like chill in my room and I just couldn't do much. So, um, because I was so exhausted from having had just had to deal with trying to, trying to keep the focus off of, yeah, of, off of how my school is going. Awesome. Well, it's, it's amazing personality. I feel like it's such a fun personality. Like, I feel like you are the person that you would be entering the room if it's quiet. Yeah. This isn't happening. You would totally. be, you would it be, it depends on the you, situation, but I true. hear what you're saying. Yeah. You would, you would, I feel like you would introduce yourself, make yourself known to everybody in the room and kind of slowly try to for sure pull that in. For sure. Yeah. I, I do think that either subconsciously or maybe sometimes I even do it consciously that I'm like, I'm going to let you know about me before you make assumptions about me. And then I'm, I just go up there and I, uh, I let people know. For the most yeah. part, <laughs> you're just like Eminem in Eight Mile. You're white rabbiting everybody, your personality before they can make. You don't know how much that meant to me <laughs> that you just compared me to Eminem in Eight Mile, Jimmy Rabbit or whatever. White Rabbit. White Rabbit. Yeah. And so he basically outed himself before the other guy could out him so that he had nothing negative to say because he just basically just. Now that you say it, I think I based my life off of that rap battle. I think that that really was the turning point for Liz Splat. That's awesome. So how how do you do you think that's affected your comedy in any way? Do you think that that kind of personality? Yeah, I mean, I think it got me in comedy first off because I 
you know, I was on this degree plan. I'm still on this degree plan at college. And that's, you know, the first time I tried comedy, I was in college. And after having cancer, I was like, I can't, I can't do this, this thing that everybody's wanting me to do. It's like, it just hit me. I was like, my life is not, you know, I don't know a single other person that got cancer as, as young as I did. I don't know anybody who, I don't know anybody who operates like me. I, I didn't, I, I always felt like such a black sheep. And I was like, so I want to do something that I don't know that any, anybody else who's doing it, you know? And, um, and that's when I, I decided that I wanted to really try something. And I went out to an open mic and I bombed off my ass and, um, yep. <laughs> and then, it is yeah. so addictive. People that are afraid of stage fright, I kid you not. Once you try stand up comedy, no matter how good or bad you feel like you do, the rush just coming off stage and just having that tremor of just adrenaline just run through your body right. is enough to make you do it again, like at least three more weeks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just at least for a little bit more, you'll, you'll try. I don't think everyone will stick it through long haul like you have, but thanks for making me feel. I do think everyone will come back. <laughs> no one will stick with no one think yeah. they can defy the no odds no one put up with the shit you're putting up with I'm just kidding <laughs> I've done it for 14 years and the more you keep up with it I will be honest the more um, if you actually just look inside and just really accept who you are mm-hmm. I would say the more at peace you get with who you are as a person because there are right. some things I grew up with thinking that I'm a monster I don't know what's wrong with me. I have all these weird behaviors that I would have and mm-hmm. come to find out it may be, you know, I'm on the autism spectrum. I don't know. Cause I'm not going to take a test at 43 and say, well, that's why your life is where you're at. That's why you have no right. college degree and you're working at a regular day job. Right. <laughs> it doesn't help me at this point. I've already made my bed. Right. And so, but just the idea of having an idea of what could be the cause of it was such a relief. Yeah. And so it made me, it put me in a good place that, oh, if I just take some of these stimuli out of my life that's causing me to panic or stress or mm-hmm. cause a, sensor, a sensory overload. Yeah. Yeah. And it really is like you, I feel like doing stand up, you're, you're more or less forced to do that as long as you're your goal even subconsciously is to be honest on stage to some degree, you will inevitably end up finding out those things about yourself and you'll inevitably end up getting more comfortable with yourself because you're putting it all on there. Even if, you know, I feel like when I, before I started doing stand-up comedy, hearing somebody say, Oh, I put it all on the stage or I put it all on the canvas. It's like, it doesn't mean that you literally threw everything you know at it, but as if you're being fully truthful and fully, I mean, honest with the crowd, then you're going to run into some things about yourself and um, you're going to see how you behave, especially if you're around the community enough, because, you know, these comics, they fucking smell bullshit. <laughs> yeah. So with your fear of what others think of you, do other people know that's your fear? Do other like other like super people like super close to you that they know that like that's your fear. And so they try to be a barrier to that or do you just kind of keep that to yourself? You know, I don't, I don't think so necessarily. I think people, for the most part, I think a lot of people just think about themselves. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's where I lie comfortable. And I certainly don't like, I, I, 
I honestly, I, I just don't think so. I think in high school, people knew that I was like self-conscious about my body or stuff like that. But it's like, you know, in high school, who, who isn't like, give me one yeah. person who isn't. So other than little stuff like that, where I would complain about certain things, but I don't think people really knew that I was sitting there just being like, wait, what, what are you, what are you? Cause I, yeah. I was very much raised to just kind of not, not, not let that show. Um, and I'm, I'm glad I wasn't because I mean, I'm glad I was raised to that way to some degree because I feel like people don't try and pick at it. You know, assholes don't yeah. try and pick at it more. They don't see it affects you. So they just right. leave it be. Right. Right. So, so how do you deal with that now? Like, have you, have you gotten to a better place on that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, well, one thing I try and live by a lot is that what other people think of me is just none of my business and that <laughs> I, I, I don't have any control over that. I definitely try and lead a somewhat spiritual life and that I just kind of have faith that stuff is just going to run its course and everything's going to be okay. And also I, I have, you know, I have my family. I have a few other people outside of my family who I'm extremely close to, who I have no, I have no fear with what, with what those people think of me with my parents. You know, I think we all kind of have some issue with like, uh, do our parents think we're successful or good people. But as far as like my siblings, I, I know they're just a f enough people in my life to where I'm not concerned about it, to where I'm like, I will always have these people. So the rest, they're not, you know, until everyone dies <laughs> in like five days. And so the rest of the people, it doesn't, it doesn't get me that much. You know, there's no, uh, when it, whereas in high school, I might've started an argument because I thought somebody didn't like me. I just kind of, you know, let that person be. And then when you let people be, they kind of, typically come around as far as you know my experimentation has been with that yeah yeah i have a comic when i started that was when you said that he's Name none him. of my business his <laughs> name's mark agee he's he's a real good friend of mine he's a writer for tbs and other com some comedy shows he moved to la with tone bell back in 2011 and they're they're really good friends of mine but when i started mark would talk about like when people talk behind my back and then people would rat to him that oh so-and-so was saying this about you. He's like, well, I respect you less for telling me because they had the, the yeah. respect that they didn't want me to know that that's right. how they thought. But <laughs> you, you made it your business to hear that and then come tell me. Yeah. And I live yeah. by the same kind of philosophy you do, is that if they don't come to me face-to-face, -face, it's none of my business. It's not, yeah, my, sure. it's not my cross to bear to make you happy. If you don't want to come tell me what we can do to make our relationship work mm -hmm. then i can't help you right you know, i, right, I wish sure. you the best but i'm not going to waste time fretting over something you're not willing to do any work on it's obviously not that important to you mm -hmm. otherwise you would come to me with something hey i really don't like how you talk to people right okay i understand that Let me, let's work together to get you to a place where you can understand why i do what i do for sure for sure. And even sometimes I think that it's none of my business when, when people do come to my face and say stuff, because it's like, you know, everybody, everybody goes through things, everybody feels different ways at different times. And as, as long as I feel comfortable with the way I'm behaving on a regular basis, and, you know, I write my wrongs and do what I need to be doing, and I'm putting in the footwork, um, and not trying to think my way out of things that I'm gonna ultimately, it's, it's all gonna work out, you know, and it's, it's not a problem. That's great. Thank you for doing this, Liz. Where can people find you on the internet? 
First off, Perio, can I just say how honored I am to even be here and that you're a literal queen. And I really appreciate you having me on this podcast and talking about my feelings. I didn't even cry once. Anyway, where you can find me on all social media is at Covered in Liz. Actually, Perio thought of that. Um, Here's a way to remember it. It's like Covered in Jizz, but my name. So um, you can follow me on there. I'm having some shows sparingly across the uh, coronavirus mm-hmm. uh, debut tour. <laughs> but, but for a year in, that's a brass ring that you can hold, grab to because a lot of people a year or two in may not have those shows even. So you're right. doing some, some work here in the Dallas comedy scene. Thanks. Or even the Denton comedy scenes. Are you trying to make me cry before we leave? <laughs> Don't well, do I am it. A queen. <laughs> you are a queen. Wow. And queen's queen. That's just a fact. But no, seriously, dude, thank you so much for having me on. I hope mm-hmm. this podcast takes off and puts Mark Marin in the fucking garbage, bro. <laughs> we'll just see. kidding, Mark Marin. <laughs> if you ever hear It's covered story. in Liz with one Z, not two. Covered in Liz, one Z, a lot of cum. A lot of jizz. Thanks, Liz. Butthole. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> So that was Liz Splat. I really was interested in the fact that she white rabbits herself. Like she calls out who she is before people can make assumptions. I think that's a really cool way to handle judgment is to basically be yourself before they can assume who you are. I thought that was really fascinating. I thought it was also really fascinating that she embraces the class clown mentality and has fun with it, rather than to feel insecure. I feel like she's super strong. She's stronger than she knows. And it really makes me smile to think that that's her fear and that that's how she handles it. I wish I could handle some of my fears with that kind of confidence and bravado to come forward and address them early on rather than let them just like simmer under the surface and then when someone like uncovers one, have it be an awkward situation thanks again to liz splat if you want to see me i will be in hyenas fort worth on october 15th i'll also be featuring for chris porter on november 19th make sure you get those tickets they will go fast chris porter is one of the best comics in the country thank you guys for the ratings i have seven so far i love doing this podcast i have a lot of episodes to get out i have a great episode lined up next two weeks And now some credits and thank yous for the people that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater, who does my graphics and design for my comedy as well as my podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhite20. Get it, Whitewater. Also, a big thank you to Gunnar Olsen for my music. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns. That's G-U-N-B-U-N-S. You can also check out his website at gunnarolsen.net. And you can check out his awesome EPs and some music he's got coming out. Real excited for him. If you want to follow me on social media, I am at Ryan Perio on all social media. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O. If you want to follow the show, I highly recommend it. Instagram and Twitter is at Some Fear Fans. Facebook group is Some of All Fears. If you, want to, if you have questions for the show or feedback, email me at SomeFearFans at gmail. If you want to be a guest on the show, also email me at somefearfans at gmail.com. We can make that happen. Please 
Keep leaving reviews on Apple Podcast or whatever podcast platform you listen to. I appreciate. I just appreciate seeing that people like what I'm putting out. So if you like what you hear, go ahead and leave a review. I appreciate all of you for listening. And next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening to The Sum of All Fears.